0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Amen. we're in a series right now called From Here to There, and we're closing out that series today. And we've been talking about how to get from from where we are, wherever we find ourselves, to the places that God has for us. We've talked about how God has a, a better place for us, a place of purpose, a place of provision, a place of promise. But in order to get from here, wherever here is for you today to there, we have to, we have to do things God's way. And so he's made a way and he's, he's outlined that for us to get there. And so today, as we close this out, the, the message that God laid on my heart was, was this. I'm calling this message, The Road to Spiritual Maturity. The road to spiritual maturity. And I want to talk to you today about how we grow in our relationship with God. How we grow closer to God. And, and when I talk about growing in your relationship, I'm not just talking about growing in information. If you've been around New Song Church, you know that's not the goal of this church. We want to help people know God. And knowing God means, doesn't just mean that you know stuff about God, but that you really grow to, cl- to, to know Him in a personal, daily walk, that you walk in a real relationship with Him. Now, in, in order to understand how to, how to walk in this relationship, and even to understand why you need to, it's, it's kind of important that we understand how relationships work, right? When we, when we enter into relationships, all of us enter into relationships typically in kind of a, a surfacey, kind of sugary, kind of selfishment way, um, we, we all kind of enter into a relationship based on what the other person can provide to us, don't we? I, I've been married to Sarah. This month we will celebrate 17 years of marriage. Sarah will be 20 in a few weeks here. So when we got married, no. But, but we've been married for 17 years. And when I first got married to Sarah, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. It was a, there was a lot of selfish ambition in me when we first got married. I was, I was selfish. I wanted to marry her. I loved her. I really did love her. I, I, I did. But what I loved about her is I loved what she could provide for me, really. I loved the idea of us. I loved the idea of the children we would have someday. And I loved the idea of the kind of home life we could have. And I loved how, how pretty she was. That, I liked that. That was cool. I thought that reflected well on me. Like I liked walking around with her and, and knowing that people were going, how in the world did that dude get that girl? I liked that. I liked it. Uh, I liked, I liked, uh, I, I liked how she made me feel. Like there was a joy, like Sarah's fun. She's really fun to be around. We have a great time. She's my best friend. She's been my best friend for 20 years. And I've always had the most fun with her. And I liked that. That made me feel good. So when we first got married, there was a lot of like, you know, kind of, there, it was a lot about the benefits, the benefits of being in a relationship with her. But, but today, uh, I, I love her and I love her more than ever. And I love her, not just based on those benefits. I love Sarah today because I love Sarah. I I just love her. And, and if tomorrow, if she, if she couldn't do another thing for me the rest of our life, I'm still gonna love her because I love Sarah. You see what I'm saying? Now, most of the time when we enter in a relationship, the benefits are at the forefront of the relationship. Like, I doubt any of you in here married, if you're married, you married the person that you're married to because you just found out they loved you. you were like, oh, they love me? Cool, I'm in. I surrender my entire life to this person. Let's go. I'm in. No, like if I came up to you today and you're single, and I came up to you today and I said, hey, uh, there's this person and they, they really love you and they want you to give you know, the rest of your life to them, to enter into a marriage with them, you're gonna be like, who, who is this person? Like, you, you wanna know. Like, what, and what you really wanna know is kind of like, what's in it for me, right? What's in it for me? Because, you know, I don't know this person. So, so if I begin to tell you, well, you know, they're, they're really cool, they, they look good, like it's a good looking person, that's good, we want that, right? Yeah. They look good, they're, they're funny, they're fun, they're, they're loaded, they're rich, Like they, they got a lot of money and they got power. Like they got they're in a position of authority and power. Like, as I start to tell you this stuff now, you're starting to go, okay, okay. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more interested now. Like you're not all in, but at least you're interested, right? Because of some of the benefits, right? The benefits of being in a relationship with this person. I, I want you to know, like, that's how we all start relationship. And even our relationship with God begins with benefits. That's why the gospel is called good news, It's good news. There's good news for you. You can be saved. You can be set free. And and the gospel doesn't shy away from this. When the Bible talks about Jesus, uh, think back to the prophecies about Jesus. Isaiah talks about there's going to be this baby born. It's announcing that Jesus is coming. It says, for unto us a child will be born. Unto us a son will be given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And his name will be called. In other words, this is what he'll be known for. He'll be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, a prince of peace, an everlasting father. Like, that's all benefits. Later on, when when Jesus comes on the scene and and the angel announces that Jesus is on the scene to those shepherds, he says, I got good news. And it's for everybody. A Savior is born to people who need a Savior. That's good news, isn't it? And then Jesus, the first time he ever gets up to preach, to minister, before he preaches, he, he stands up and he reads from the Bible and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. That's good news to the poor. What's good news to the poor? You don't got to be poor no more, right? to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Look at verse 19. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord, when Jesus said this, people of that day would have understood exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about what was called the year of Jubilee. And in the Hebrew Jewish culture, the year of Jubilee happened every seven years. There was a year where they would rest the land. And if you were a slave, you were set free. Your captivity and slavery was broken and you were set free. All the debts were erased. It was a year of Jubilee. And Jesus says, I'm here and what I'm here to do is establish the year of Jubilee constantly. Constantly. You think about what Jesus came to do. What he came to do? He came to set us free, free from sin, free from the oppression that comes from sin. He came to set us at liberty. He came to give us rest so we can step into the rest that comes from having a relationship and walking in close proximity to God. We don't have to be slaves anymore. We've been made free because of Jesus Christ. We're not under the rule of sin. We're not under the authority of this world. We come under God's authority and are in his kingdom. Now, Jesus says that's what he came to do. Listen, benefits, 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 right? And that's where we start. And that's a good place to start. But we can't stay there. We can't just live in our relationship with God based on benefits. And here's why. There will be days in your life when the benefits are not shining through like maybe you want them to. And if your relationship is based on benefits, when the benefits go away, so does the commitment to the relationship. It's a dangerous place to live. Now, listen, I'm not saying that we don't expect benefits, but we're not motivated by benefits. The benefits are the bonus, not the motivation for the relationship. God wants something deeper for you than just a benefits-based relationship where God just fills in every blank for you every time. That God has something more. So what God wants us to do is mature in our relationship with him. So how do, we, how do we mature in, in, in our relationship? You know, because this idea of maturing, it, listen, it doesn't just come from information. We've talked about that a little bit. But I can have information about someone and really never have a relationship with them. Yes, right. And it doesn't just come from time either, just spending time with someone. Because if our relationships grew just based on time, then our best friends would be people we met in doctor's offices and in line at the DMV and in traffic. And we all know that does not happen. Time doesn't do this. What what really builds relationships, listen, get this, is having the right mindset when it comes to relating to the other person. How do you relate to the person you're in relationship with? This is big. In fact, the, the thing about this, the root word in relationship is what? It's relate. How you relate to someone has so much to do with how you're gonna walk in relationship with that first one. In fact, it's so important, it's one of the reasons why Jesus came to this earth and became a human being. So he could relate to you on a deep level. So you could relate to him and recognize that he relates to you. Hebrews 4.15 says, this high priest of ours, that's talking about Jesus, understands our weakness. That literally means he can relate to you in your weakness. He understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet did not sin. Jesus faced everything you faced. He can relate to whatever you experience today. He related to it in life, and at the cross, everything was placed on him. At the cross, Jesus felt emotionally what it feels like to to experience prejudice, to be molested all of that was placed on jesus so he can relate to you today and you know that in relationship whatever you're facing you can relate to him and jesus made it possible so that you can relate to make you and me more compatible with god isn't that cool yeah. that's what jesus did for us and so so here's the question for us this morning okay how do you relate to god and let me say it this way how do you see god how do you see god Because how you see God is extremely important to how you're going to walk in relationship with him. Because if you see him the wrong way, you're going to relate to him the wrong way. For example, for example, um, I'm, I'm married to Sarah. We've been married for 17 years. If I relate to Sarah from the perspective that she is just out to catch me doing something wrong, I will live under that. So, so how will I live if I think that, that her motivation in our relationship is to catch me doing something wrong is is I'm going to, I'm going to feel like I have to hide stuff from her because I feel like she's just out to get me. So I got to kind of guard myself against her. See how that works? Or if I think, what if I think Sarah's too busy? She's a busy person, you know? then again, I'm not gonna share everything with her because I'm only. I'm maybe gonna come to her with the, real, the stuff that I deem really, really important. But a lot of stuff, I'm just gonna try to kind of carry it myself because, because she's busy and I don't wanna bother her with my kind of my little stuff. You, you guys see what I'm saying here? How we relate is a huge, huge deal. How do you relate to God? How do you, how do you see God? It's important that we see God the right way. So so how do we see God? All right, well, this is interesting. And the Bible talks about growing in maturity in our relationship with God and how we relate to God. It it actually appears on the surface like there's a little bit of contradiction. Let me show you what I'm talking about. All right, Matthew 18, if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 18, look at what Jesus said here. He's talking about greatness in the kingdom of God. Are you guys with me this morning? Matthew 18, verse two, Jesus said this. He said, Then Jesus called little children to him, set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted, everybody say converted, converted Converted means it doesn't just happen, that there's a change that has to take place and you're going to have to intentionally work on this change unless you're converted. And look at this, become as little children. You will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says here, he says, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, and listen, the kingdom of heaven is not like talking about going someday to heaven. He's talking about the kingdom that he's going to establish here on earth. Remember on earth as it is in heaven, that's what God wants. He's talking about what he's going to do. He's going to go, he's going to die on the cross. He's going to be raised from the dead and there's going to be a new system established. And he's saying, if you want to enter into and walk in the fullness of that kingdom, you're going to have to act like a child, is what he says. Look at verse 19. The next chapter, he says this, chapter 19, verse 14. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom. Of heaven, So, Jesus is connecting walking in the fullness of his kingdom to acting like a child. Now, fast forward a little bit to 1 Corinthians. You got Paul talking to the church at Corinth. And he says this in verse 1. I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. You're acting like infants. That word infants means Children. You're acting like children in relation to Christ, capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. Well, then I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more, as long as you grab for what makes you feel good or makes you look important. God's saying, hey, you're acting like children and you need to grow up. A few chapters later in chapter 13, he says this, verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. We get this idea here that that childness, this childish behavior, you gotta put that away. Okay, okay, so get this. You got Jesus, son of God, saying you need to act like a child, you need to be converted, act like a child. Then you got Paul saying, You need to be converted, and quit acting like a child. So which one is it? Yes. <laughs> it's both. It's both. And in order, to, in order to understand, you have to understand the context. Because see, really, they're both speaking to different things. When Jesus talks about being converted and acting like a child, what he's speaking to in context, he's speaking to a position or a state of being. You have to be converted, noticed. There's a change that needs to take place to put you in this state of being, in this position. When Paul talks about uh, acting like a child, he uses words that speak to acts of behavior. Acts of behavior. Okay, so get this. Jesus is talking about being childlike, Paul is talking about being childish. And these are two different things. Let me show you the definition. Childlike means this it means of an adult, so this is a grown up. Having the good qualities, everybody say good qualities, associated with a child. Childish means silly and immature. Silly and immature. So Jesus is saying you need to be childlike in how you relate to God. You need to see God the right way. You need to see God as a loving father and you're a child of God, a son or a daughter, and you need to live in a relationship from that perspective. That's, that's what it means to be childlike. So you're childlike in how you approach God. Childish means that you see everything going on around you the correct way. And you don't live from this childish, immature, silly way of thinking and relating to God, to people, and to every circumstance in a childish manner. Are you guys tracking with me this morning? And this is the process of growing in our spiritual walk with God. It's maturing to this place of recognizing, really seeing God the right way and operating in relationship with him based on that. So for the rest of our time here, what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about these two ideas of being childish and childlike. And, and you may, just, just so you know, there may be some stuff I talk about this morning and you go, oh, I'm being a little childish. And I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm saying this to help you to move towards this childlikeness that God wants you to have. Because there is more that God has from you. We're talking about getting from here to there, right? If you're going to get from here to there, if you're going to mature in your relationship with God, which you so want to, because there's so many things that God wants to do in your life. He has for you. And there's a closeness and relationship he wants you to walk in with him that's so much better than maybe what you have right now. If you're going to get there, though, you got to see God the right way so let's talk about what this looks like all right here's the first one childlike faith says I'm dependent childlike faith says I'm dependent childish faith says I'm self-sufficient I'm self-sufficient you ever seen that kid before that has that attitude of I can do it on my own and so they get a plate of spaghetti and they say they can do it on their own and they make a big old mess don't they because they can't do it on their own. They don't have the ability to. That's childish, right? And, and we live in a world where, where it's easy to kind of fall into this, you know? Where, because, because we, see, we see dependency as, a, as like a weakness. Yeah. We wanna be independent. We live in a country, we have a declaration of independence. We want to be independent. Independent means strength, you know. If I can be independent in my my business, I'm going to be stronger. If I can be independent financially, I'm stronger. If I'm independent, independent is this thing. It's like a goal. But I want you to know this morning, when it comes to the kingdom of God, which is what we're talking about, the goal is not to grow independent of God. The goal goal in the kingdom of God is to grow more dependent on God. In fact, I, I, I love this quote. It says that God is most glorified in us when we are the most dependent upon Him. When we're depending on Him. When we're asking Him. Uh, J- uh, James 4 2 tells us that you do not have because you do not ask. Now, anytime you ask for something, you're declaring a sense of dependency. Like if I'm at the dinner table with Sarah and the salt is on her end of the table and I need the salt and I say, hey, can you pass me the salt? In that moment, what I'm declaring is I, I need your help. I, I, can't, I can't necessarily do it on my own. Can, can I get you to help me with this? And, and I want you to know that God wants us to have that kind of attitude with him. He's a loving father that wants us to come to him and ask him for things so that he can source things to us and help us. But we don't have because we don't ask. Because, see, when you don't ask, see, why God is the most glorified in you when you're the most dependent on Him is because when you're asking Him for things, then it empowers God to move in your behalf. And then people look at your life and, they, and they're like, man, God, something's going on with them. And you can go, yeah, God is at work in my life because I'm dependent upon Him. He's glorified through that. And, you know, kids are, this, this is kids, man, kids are dependent. Like little kids, right? Like little childlike kids. They, they recognize they need help in life. My, my kids, and my kids are getting older now, but, but for the, in the years that I've had them, I get asked a lot of questions every day, asked for a lot of help. Can you can you get this for me? I can't reach it. Can you help me with this? Can you give me this? When when kids are scared, they turn to you for for to, to help them feel confident. When they're hurt, they run to you for affection. Like kids kids, this is how kids kind of live their life. All right, they want to figure out who's in charge so they can be free. So who's in charge? Okay, you're you're the uh, you enter in a room. Who's in charge in here? Okay, you're the one. If anything goes wrong, I go to you. If I need anything, you're the one. Okay, cool. I'm gonna go play now. Be free. And it sounds so simple, but this is, the, this is really what God wants for you. We need to be children of God who recognize, okay, who's in charge? Oh yeah, that's right. God, you're in charge. So if I need anything, I, I go to you, right? If I'm having some issues, if I'm sick, if anything's going on, I go to you. Okay, now I'm going to live free. And it sounds simplistic. It really does. But, but that's what God desires. And that's what Jesus wants. And that's what he made a way to accomplish for you. In fact, look at this verse with me, Jeremiah 17. Verse five, look at this. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Cursed, everybody say cursed. Cursed Cursed is the person whose confidence is is in self. Whose confidence is in what we can do. It says whose heart departs from the Lord. I I don't need God, I, I can do this on my own. I got this. No, you don't got this. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert. That's not a good place for a shrub. And shall not not see when the good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. How many of your mouth feels dry right now just, just saying this? Look at this blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord for he shall be like a tree planted by waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when he comes but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit. Listen this is how God wants us to live dependent upon him. God's my father he's a loving father and he's dependable So I can depend on him. I can count on him. I can trust in him. So I'm not gonna live with this childish mentality that says, I got this. I'm self-sufficient. I can do this on my own. I'm gonna live, I'm gonna work to live in a childlike state that says, God, I'm dependent upon you. I need you. And so I'm inviting you into every situation of my life. We need to be converted to that kind of thinking. Here's the second one. Childlike faith says, my father has enough. Childish faith says, There's not enough to go around. We've all seen that child before, been around that child before that has the mine mentality. Mine. You know this kid? They got something. Another kid comes up to try to get it and they turn. Mine. Right? You give him something. You give it to him. You gave it to him. And then you go to grab it from him again. Mine. I'll see this with my kids still to this day. And it's kind of funny because we both kind of run into it. Like we're, we're at the dinner table and one of them grabs my phone and is looking at it for a minute. And I'm like, all right, give me that back. And, they're like, and they pull it away. And I'm like, hey, that's mine. <laughs> but they're doing the mine thing too. It's like a mine battle. It's a minefield. <laughs> it's not a good look, is it? and yet we we still have this as a, as adults yeah. we still find ourselves in this mentality of that's mine here's here's the idea behind the mind mentality there's not enough to go around so I got to guard what what I got because if I don't hang on to this and hold on to this with everything I have I may not have it I may not have enough and so I got I gotta I gotta hold on to it it's 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 mine. It's it's a selfish, It's centered in selfishness, and it, and it hurts us from being able to be who God's really called us to be, which is people who are free, people who can give. So childish faith says there's not enough. Childlike faith says my father has enough. The mentality is my father has enough, and says he's my father. I have enough. I remember years ago, when my son Gus was four years old, he was watching. This little cartoon at Christmas. It was a chipmunk's cartoon, Christmas chipmunk cartoon. And he was little. And it was like for the first time in his life, he was realizing there were some people in the world that didn't have it like he did. Because in the cartoon, there was these little kids and they were in an orphanage. And there was this threat of them not being able to have Christmas. And so he's a thinker. And he, uh, after it was over, he started asking me and his mom a bunch of questions. He was like, Asking about orphanages and wanting to understand, like, are there kids that don't have mom and dad? And we were like, yeah, there is. And are there kids that won't have a Christmas? And we're like, yeah, there is. And that's, that's why, you know, at Christmas time we, we've been blessed by God. And so we want to be a blessing. We want to help other people who don't have it as good as we do. That's why we give extra to the church. And that's why we do. And we kind of start talking about the different things that we do. And in that childlike place that he was at that time, as we started talking about this, he was motivated. He wanted to help with the problem. And so he started talking about, well, I, what if we gave away some of my toys? And then we said, well, you know, really, we want to give those kids new stuff. So we're going to use our money to kind of help with that kind of stuff. And he's like, well, what if, we, what if I gave some of my money? He had this little, this little baseball bank. And, he, and I'm telling you, in that moment, had I pushed him, he would have given every cent he had. And here's why. Here's why. Because in that moment, he recognized who his father was. He recognized that if he gave away every cent in his little baseball bank, he'd still be okay. Because his, his source is not his baseball bank. His source is his, is his father. And in that moment of his life at four years old, as far as he could see it, his dad was limitless in his ability to provide for him. That's how he saw it. Now, I'm a natural father, so I am limited. I'm limited in my knowledge. I'm limited in my bank account. But you wanna know a greater truth for you this morning? Your father, God, is not limited in his ability to provide for you, to resource you, to bring wisdom to you, and yet so often, we grab our little bank and we say, mine. It's not a good look, is it? What if we really got converted to say, he's my father, and since he's my father, I have everything I need. I don't have to worry about. My position is not based on how much I have in my bank. My position is based on the fact that God is my father and I'm his child and he has more than enough and he's a giver. God's a giver, you know that, right? God so loved that he gave. The Bible says in John, I think it's John 12, 12, it's his his, uh, pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus said in John 10, 10, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give you life, life more abundantly. God's a giver. He's not trying to take anything from you. He's trying to give to you. He wants to give to you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to source you. There's enough because your God is enough. There's enough. You don't have to hold on to it and be afraid. You can live from a place of of blessing and being a blessing because your God is your God and you're a child of a wealthy father who is willing to give and provide for you. You gotta believe that. We gotta be converted to relate to God that way. Childish faith says there's not enough. Childlike faith says my father has enough. Are you, are you getting help this morning? Yeah. Okay, here's another one. Child, childish faith says hide the hurt. Childish faith says hide the hurt. Childlike faith says my father heals. Yes. A few weeks ago, uh, we had the Romano family over at our house, Josh and Kristen and their kids, and we were playing outside in the backyard. And we grilled and we played kickball, and I pulled my calf muscle, and it was embarrassing. But, <laughs> but we had a good time. And um, we were sitting in, at the, the little tables in our backyard patio, and we have this retaining wall that it, it's not super high, but the, their, their son Elijah, who's four, he turns five tomorrow. You can wish him a happy birthday if you see him today. He turns five tomorrow. He, he was standing on the retaining wall playing, and he fell off. And it's not that far, maybe a foot and a half. But he fell off, and when he fell off, he immediately popped up and looked at us, and he said, I'm okay. And you could tell on his face, he ain't okay. Like something's hurting. And when he, he stands up, I'm okay. He wanted to announce, I'm okay. And, and when he said that, his dad looked at him and said, Hey, buddy, it's okay if you're not okay. And when he said that, it was just like, he just started bawling ran over to his dad, wrapped his hand, you know, little arms around him, got comforted for about 15 seconds, and then he took off, and he was good to go. But he, he needed the comfort of a father in that moment. You know, in life, we get hurt. It's kind of a reality of life. Stuff happens. And the mentality that a lot of us have is, when we're hurt, is we want to act like a big boy or a big girl. I'm OK. You ain't okay. I'm okay. When we just want to, we just kind of, I'll put it, I'll put it, I'll bury it. I'll hide it. I'll just, I don't, I got to be mature. I got to be a big boy. I got to be a big girl. I'll, I'll just put this away. I want you to know today, Jesus looks at some of you and you're hurt today. You've been trying to bury it and he's looking at you and he's going, hey, it's okay to not be okay. I'm here for you. And he's not just, listen, and the beautiful thing about God is he doesn't just want to be with you in your pain. He wants to heal you from it. Yeah. He wants to move you past it. Oh, yeah. In fact, look at this with me. Psalms 34 verse 18 says this. It says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. If, you're, if your heart's been broken, someone's done you wrong, you felt, you've, you've been hurt. The Lord is near to you. Which means he's come, he's come to you. He's right there. But he's not just near, look at what it goes on to say, and save such as have a contrite spirit. So he doesn't just, he's not just near you, he wants to fix you. He wants to heal you. He wants to move you past that. And so you have to relate to your father this way. I have a father God who, who, who cares and heals. You got to relate to him that way. He doesn't just care about me, he wants to heal me. So don't hide your hurt. Listen, don't hide your hurt, but also don't live hurt. <laughs> and, and and don't be easily hurt. Well, let me say it this way. Don't let hurt lead. If you can look at your life today and say, man, hurt is directing my path. You got it wrong. And you ain't relating to God the way you should. Your God heals you. He's a loving father who wants to Heal you. So you got to relate to him the right, the right way. Childish faith says, i got to hide this hurt. Childlike faith says, I have a father who heals. So I will run to him in my pain. Sometimes we run from God. Or we even blame God. The very one who wants to heal us. Who wants to save us. Who wants to set us free. We run from him in our pain. Instead of running to him in our pain. we got to turn to God in our pain. Here's the last one. Childish faith questions the route. Childlike faith says... Father Knows Best. Everybody say, Father knows best. Father knows best. So this is something that's happening more and more in our home now. My kids are getting a little bigger. I got a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 6-year-old. And when, we, when they were little, little bitty, they just were on board for whatever we wanted to do. They were down. We want to watch a movie, put it on. Now, we had a, we had a talk the other day where we, me and Sarah were trying to like tell the kids about a movie to watch. And so we're like, you want to try this? And and I'm telling you, their approach now, especially Gus and Bo, when we tell them about a movie, is they look at us like, "What's it about?" (laughs) Like we're trying to trick them into watching a movie they're going to (laughs) hate. Never done that once, but you know, or or we're driving somewhere, uh, and 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 they have no idea where we are. But all of a sudden, they're like, "Where are we going?" I'm going home. You sure this is the right way? Do you know another way? No. But you're just questioning the route. Anybody relate to this? I think we all can. Because we've all been in that place in life where God is taking us from here to there. And we find ourselves going, "Uh, God, are you sure this is the right route? Because I don't recognize where we're going. Even though I've never been to the place you're taking me to and have no real idea how to get there myself. I don't know that this is right. Like this feels like it's taking longer than it should. Are we there yet? (laughs) Childish faith. Are we there yet? (laughs) We've all been there. It happens. Listen, just because you don't know the route doesn't mean it ain't the the right route. Just because it's not going according to your plan doesn't mean it's not going according to God's. This is where we trust God. We walk by faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Can I get an amen? In other words, don't question. Don't question like, you're going to have places in your walk with God where you don't exactly understand. And it's in those moments that you gotta go, okay, God, I trust you. I trust you. It says, listen for God's voice in everything you do. God wants to speak to you. You know that, right? God hasn't stopped talking. He still talks. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. On the route, he's not going to be silent. Understand that too. He'll talk to you. He says, everywhere you go, he'll be there. He's one. He's the one who will keep you on track. He'll keep you on track if you'll listen. So you listen and you choose to say, I'm not gonna go based on what I don't understand. I'm gonna trust God. If He's saying go this way, I'm gonna go this way. Isaiah 49, 23, truly, those whose hope and trust is in the Lord will not be disappointed. We gotta trust the Lord. Childish faith questions the route, childlike faith says, Father knows best. I could give you, I I had tons of these scenarios, I could keep going for hours but I'll stop there because really what I wanted to do is I wanted to just get you to the place where you start processing from this place of how do I relate to God? How do I see God? I I was reading the Bible this morning (laughs) And, and in Luke 9, you have this encounter where Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, who do you say I am? And they say, well, some say, right? Some say you're Elijah the prophet. Some say you're one of these other prophets. Jesus goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> But who do you say I am? What, he, what he's getting at is, how do you see me? How do you relate to me? Because it's important. If we're going to walk in the right kind of relationship, you got to relate to me the right kind of way. You got to relate to God the right way. How do you relate to God? He's your father. But he's not a stern, mean father. He's a loving father. You're his child. He chose you. He loves you. He's for you. How do you relate to him? you got to relate to him the right way. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all. Everybody say all. All. You are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. If you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you are a child of God. God is your father and you are his child. Remember when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray? Or was teaching people how to pray. He says, he gives them the, the, the prayer. We just, we just pray for it. Our Father who art in heaven, How's be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How does he start the prayer? Our Father. Why? Because how we relate to God is going to determine how our prayers are answered. And he says, Our Father. And the word Father is not just like the Father in a term of like just genetically, that's my dad. The word Father he uses is the word Abba. Which here's, you know what that means? It means Daddy. Daddy. It's a term of affection and endearment. You ever seen those memes that say, hey, if you could quit praying with the like daddy God prayers, that would really, it could feel a little awkward. I guess you guys haven't seen those. Okay. <laughs> but we, we, find it, we find it uncomfortable. But the idea is this. Here, here's your father God. He wants you to crawl up in his lap. That's your father God he's a daddy he wants you to crawl up in his lap that's the kind of relationship he wants for you do you relate to him that way this was I mean, when jesus said this this was revolutionary people did not relate to god as a father at all that's right. and he's called he not just a father a daddy it's a big deal i hope you're seeing that this morning how do you relate to god because it's going to determine so much How do you relate to God? What if we really got this down in our bones, like in us? It would change the way we deal with financial issues. It would change the way we deal with sickness in our body. It would change the way we deal with the oppression that we face. It would change everything. How do you relate to God? You need to see God as a loving Father and you are His child. Point to yourself this morning and say, I am a child of a loving Father. If we get that, man, it's change everything. That's maturity. That's maturity. Childlike. It's not just knowing everything the Bible has to say all the time. It's that simple. It's knowing God is my father. He's my father. He's my daddy, father, God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Just take a moment and just listen to the voice of the Lord if you're new to the things of God or new to church, my question right now is, what are you thinking right now? What thoughts are going through your mind? I hope today that there's an area of your life as I've been praying and talking and sharing this message that you've seen that you go, man, I'm not relating to God in the right way in that area of my, of my life. I, I, I need to go back. I need to be converted and act like a child when it comes to how I approach God in that area of my life. Lord, I just lift up every person in this room and I pray, God, that we would grow in our walk with you, that we would move from where we are today to a greater place of maturity where we see you the right way and we walk in the kind of relationship you desire to have with us where we're, you're, we're your child. And it's not based on our performance. It's, it's based on the blood of Jesus Christ that bought us into the family of God. We thank you, God. For loving us that way, for being that kind of father to us, help us, Lord, to grow in our acceptance of that, and to relate to you the right way. In Jesus' name, Amen. If it's your head, with your head still bowed, and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, and maybe you, you're not walking in relationship with God like you should, maybe today you recognize that you're not where you should be, and maybe you're, you're watching online right now, and you're like, "Man, I don't, I don't know if I'm right with God the way I should be." If that's you today, I'd love to pray with you today to help you to step into the right kind of relationship with this loving Father God that I've been talking about today. And it's real simple. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And in that moment, the Bible says you'll be born again. You'll receive a brand new spirit and you begin to walk out this walk with God that he has for you and move you from here, wherever you find yourself to there, the greater places that God has for you. If that's you today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. So everyone in here, let's pray this prayer together. Just confess after me. Say this. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Thank you for making a way so I could be a child of God. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe he rose from the grave so I could be raised to new life in Him. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my all. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.